Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast in collaboration with the Conservative Yeshiva in Jerusalem. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about the Conservative Yeshiva, please visit conservativeyeshiva.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Welcome to the Daily Daf Differently. I'm Rabbi Danny Nevins at the Jewish Theological Seminary in New York City, and we're studying Tractate Chagiga, Daf Vav, Ahmed Aleph, and Ahmed Bet. Uh, towards the beginning of Ahmed Aleph, we read a uh, reference back, a quote from the Mishnah, which said, Beit Shammai Omrim Back in the Mishnah, uh, the, the school of Shammai had taught that one should spend more money on the uh, appearance offering on the festivals, which was an ola, a burnt offering, uh, burnt up entirely on the on the Mizbeach, on the altar, whereas the school of Hillel said, no, you spent less money on the Re'iyah, the burnt offering, and more on the Chagiga, on the Shlamim, on the hall offering, which was burnt partially on the altar with the rest given to the priest and then some also to the the person who offered the, um, the, the korban. So now we're going to examine these two positions. Tana Rabbanan, the rabbis taught Beit Shammai Omrim Hariyah So citing again our, our Mishnah, now they explain, they see the reason Beit Shammai says you should spend more money on the Riyah is because it's all going to God. Which is not the case with the Chagiga, which after all, a lot of it is just a regular meal. So of course you're going to spend more on the purely religious offering. But oh, and the second reason, In the Torah's description of the festival we call Shavuot, what they call Atzeret, um, there, there's an example where there were more burnt offerings than hall offerings. And so if that's the case, then that's a precedent that on other festivals too, the individual should also spend more money on burnt offerings than on um, hall offerings. Bechila, of course, is the opposite. They said, no, you spend a little bit, uh, one measure of silver on the riyah and two measures on the chagiga, on the hall offering. Why? Because of a few things. The first of all, the chagiga is like the hall offerings, the shlamim, which were given lifnei hadibor, before revelation. If you read the book of Exodus chapters, you know, 19 through 24, you see that the people of Israel brought some sacrifices even before they were commanded about the sacrifices. And so the assumption here of Beit Hillel is that they were bringing hall offerings, not burnt offerings, and therefore you should also give priority, since those are individual offerings, not communal offerings. Therefore, on the festivals, even when there's a temple, the individual should also spend more on the hall offerings, not the burnt offerings. But oh, we found another example of an individual offering is in Numbers when the so when the priests each made presentations to the temple, and uh, there too they spent more. Um, they offered more hall offerings than burnt offerings. And since the festivals are like individual offerings, um, so Behel feels you should spend more um, like the Nassim did on hall offerings, not on burnt offerings. Um, 
Well, the Stam of the Gemara then says, all right, fine, those are your original positions, but you haven't really addressed each other's concerns. Behillel, why didn't you say like you did, like the Shammai did? Now, when we read these things today, we have to realize that it's not necessarily the original authors who are going to then explain. Um, this is a multi-generation, even multi-century conversation. And so the Stam of the Gemara raises a question and then probably on its own um, will give a response uh, to explain. So they said, why didn't you say it? Well, in saying, when they claimed that the Riyah, the appearance of burnt offering should be preferable to the, um, because it all goes to God. Um, and uh, so Beit Hillel responds, Adarabah, I think the opposite. You're saying that it's better for a sacrifice to go all to God? Chagiga is better. It, it goes in two directions. Some of it gets to God, some of it comes to people, to the priests and to the, to the family. Uh, how could you say that burning something entirely for God is better? Um, God's only one member of the covenant, maybe we could say, um, whereas... Uh, Whereas Israel is also a member of the covenant. So we've got the that argument um, sewn up better. And a second uh, argument that had been made by Shammai that we have to learn from the, the festival of Atzeret, um, says, Beidol says, not, not a good explanation. After all, Danin Korban Yachid, Mikorban Yachid, in Danin Korban Yachid, Mikorban Sibor. That example you gave is a communal offering. Uh, Korban Sibur, and we're talking here about the offerings brought by individuals of Israel. Bad example, Beit Shammai. Fine. Beit Shammai, what do you have to say in response to Beit Hillel's arguments? Right. Well, they said, you know, Beit Hillel claimed that the Chagiga is like the sacrifices uh, that were offered by Israel as individuals before the revelation of the rules of sacrifices. But Beishama would say, You know, that's not only true of the hall offerings, but there's also burnt offerings. And when you said, Beishama, that we should learn from the example of the, of the chieftains, um, You know, that was a one-time example. That was a uh, uh, an incident that happened once. You can't prove from that the way that all of Israel is supposed to act for all of its generations, at least those that have a, a temple. So that's a bad example. The argument will continue with uh, the supporters of Beit Shammai saying that the uh, burnt offering given there in the wilderness was an appearance offering and therefore a good precedent for the way that uh, Israel and later generations should act. Whereas the followers of Beit Hillel and their later supporters will claim that no, that burnt offering was actually uh, a korban tamid. It was a predecessor for the, the daily sacrifice that was brought in the temple and was therefore not a good example um, to follow for the individual worshipers on the festivals. Now it gets a little bit interesting at the end because um, it points out a larger debate about revelation. Um, with Rabbi Yishmael sort of uh, on the side of, of, um, of Beit Shammai saying, Klalot nemru b'sinai, upratot ba'ohamo'ed. It's that, you know, on Mount Sinai, you can only really get the, um, only the general rules were given, like Aseret Devarim, the Ten Commandments, or Decalogue, uh, whereas the details were given later in the tent of meeting. 
Whereas Rabbi Akiva says, Klalot pratot nemru b'sinai. He says, actually, everything was given on Mount Sinai, both the general rules, the klalot, and the details, the pratot. And they were repeated in the tent of meeting. And they were um, given a third time in the fields of Moab, the plains of Moab, which is, that is to say, in the book of Deuteronomy. Actually, it's a little strange, Rabbi Akiva's claim, because Deuteronomy is supposed to be a Mishnah Torah, a repetition of the Torah, not a third statement of the Torah. Uh, and therefore, you would think that Rabbi Yishmael's got a better position. But this debate about the content of Revelation um, went back and forth. It's part of a larger corpus of disputes between Rabbi Yishmael's school and Rabbi Akiva's school, uh, which is discussed at great length by uh, Rabbi Ibrahim Joshua Keschel in his three-volume book, Torah Min which was translated and, um, and explained by Rabbi Gordon Tucker and Rabbi Lenny Levin a few years ago. For our purposes, it remains a very live issue. Uh, when was the, the content of Revelation given? What do we believe about the Sinai event? Was it inclusive of all of the written Torah and perhaps even all of the, uh, the oral Torah with its debates and its inconclusive elements generation after generation? Uh, do we say that God's voice at Sinai was a kol gadol velo yisaf? It was a great voice that, um, that never... Uh, never continued. That is to say, it was one revelation of theophany for the generations that included everything that would later be known. Or do we say Kol Yasaf means the way the, um, the it's translated in the Targum, that it was Lopsik, it's a revelation that never ended. And that uh, even in our day, when we study Torah together, even by podcast through the internet, we too are somehow hearing echoes of Sinai, and we too are part of the revelation. Uh, I don't know about you, but I like the idea that when we study, uh, that new insights are coming up, just as we read a few pages ago, and that God's revelation uh, continues uh, throughout the generations. Thank you for studying together with me. I look forward to seeing you and speaking with you again tomorrow on Daf Zion. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the opening and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic Horus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.